Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to The Josh Smith Show. The Josh Smith Show is brought to you by Paragon Kilns. Paragon Kilns are some of the fastest heating and most accurate kilns in the world today. Uh, I, in my own custom knife-making business, and so many knife-makers that I know, use a Paragon Kiln uh, just to increase the accuracy and the consistency of which their knives are heat-treated. Check out the Paragon Kilns at paragonweb.com. Also brought to you by Montana Knife Company. Montana Knife Company knives are working knives for working people. All Montana Knife Company knives are 100% American-made, hand-finished, and hand-sharpened. We here at Montana Knife Company believe that manufacturing can be done here in the U.S., and that's where our knives are built. Check out MontanaKnifeCompany.com, and we are also on Instagram at Montana Knife Company as well as Facebook. Also brought to you by Maritime Knife Supply. Maritime Knife Supply is a place I buy my belts, uh, buy a lot of my sandpaper. They also sell steel, grinders, heat treat ovens, just about anything else you can imagine. Maritime Knife Supply is located in Canada, so even though it takes a little bit longer to ship your stuff down here, you can take advantage of the exchange rate, uh, which is actually a pretty good deal when you're putting in a fairly big order. Check out MaritimeKnifeSupply.com and at MaritimeKnifeSupply on Instagram and Facebook. Let's get to the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for joining the Josh Smith Show. I know it's been a while since I've dropped a podcast, and I do hope to get more consistent here. Uh, life just kind of got in the way in the last couple months here. Um, I've got a special one to kind of kick this whole podcasting back off. Um my, my company, Montana Knife Company, held a veterans event this past weekend at our shop here in Montana. Uh, this winter, we had built a knife, uh, Brandon Lilly and Laura Zara and I, uh, and Brandon Horaho, we had built a knife to raise money uh, for veterans. And we ended up deciding to bring these veterans to our shop, use that money to bring veterans in and teach them how to forge and make knives. And uh, Joe Maynard drove up from... Nashville, Tennessee. Steve Coster came over from Idaho to help me teach. And we brought about 16, 17 veterans in. Uh, when, you, when, you, when you think about putting these events on, uh, you know, you, you hope they're going to go well, uh, but you just never know. And it really depends on the people that come, you know, how much participation and interaction you get. And as it turns out, it was absolutely incredible. Um, it was an amazing time. We, uh, we started off kind of flip-flop style, cooking a, a, a whole mule deer leg over the open fire on Friday night. We had bear sausage and eggs and pancakes for breakfast over the fire as well the next morning. Then we got into the forging, and I taught these guys and gals how to forge blades. Uh, we ended up doing some blade grinding on those, um, but we didn't actually really finish any knives, and, and that was kind of the point of the weekend is I I wanted the focus to be more on camaraderie and on on the forging part and and what kind of therapeutic value the forging might be able to have for people uh, as it turns out it was it was absolutely incredible um, we had bison tenderloin that we had cut up and cooked in front of the forge um, they even got to try some mountain lion sausage um, we gave them definitely the Montana experience 
Um, as we sat down for this podcast, it was Sunday night. Um, most everyone had gone home. These were the people that were kind of left over that were going to be leaving Monday morning. And I asked, it was a big group of people, and I didn't want to just select three because I have three other mics to join me. So I just asked everyone to kind of gather around and pass the mic around. When we sat down, the tragedy of Afghanistan and losing at this point 12 Marines and a corpsman had not happened yet. So obviously we don't discuss that part. Um, But I, I do think the feeling throughout the weekend was that that exact moment was coming. Uh, that tragedy in Afghanistan was coming. Um, I, I sat down and I and I, I wanted this to be light and fun and kind of talk about some of their maybe some of their careers or or I just wasn't sure where it was going to go. But you'll notice I did I did have to ask about what was currently going on in Afghanistan, and uh, I, I'm I'm fairly certain you'll be able to hear it. But I know seeing it in the room, the room, the tone of the room definitely changed. Um. Some of the guys, it was, uh, you could tell it was immediately uncomfortable, um, frustrating, sad, uh, and, uh, and just heartbreaking for these guys that have been through what they've been through over there. Um, after, after seeing the news, uh, which would have been yesterday, I'm recording this uh, intro early in the morning on, on Friday. Um, I think we all knew that was coming, which is incredibly frustrating. And frankly, I'm really pissed off. And I think all of America should be because I think we knew we were setting some of our boys up for for tragedy. Um, the argument of and I, and I and I think you'll you'll kind of hear in the podcast the argument of whether we should or shouldn't be getting out of Iraq that can be debated. Um, I think a lot of us maybe agree that. We should get out at some point, but how we get out and 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 how safely we get out, uh, to, to me, there there should be you know, in my simple mind, we we should be able to get out of there without without putting thirteen Marines and and maybe more in the next few days at risk at high risk. Um, there's always a risk of what they do at their jobs, but it, you know, it sure seems like we could set them up for better success. Uh, so anyway, I want to thank everyone that joined me here. Um, they can introduce all their names, uh, as we get into the, uh, into the podcast here, you'll, you'll hear who they are. Um, these are incredible, incredible people, incredible humans, not just for based on what they did in Iraq or Afghanistan. Um, but all these people I got to know individually. Um, and, and I, and I call them my friends now and, and, and family. So, uh, if you know a veteran right now and you're a knife maker especially or maybe you're a welder or you have some kind of a craft that you do, in, invite one over, somebody over maybe that lives in your town and uh, show them how to forge a blade or weld some steel together or, or do some woodworking. And You have no idea how therapeutic some of that can be and become a hobby for these people. Um Maybe if it's just a couple hours each night, they can go out and get their mind off of some of what's going on, or especially when, especially when we have something happen like happened yesterday in Afghanistan, that's the perfect time for somebody to go start a forge and just go beat the shit out of some steel. Um, 
maybe that's all they need or or they can go out and plane some wood and screw some boards together and and you know make a cabinet or weld some steel whatever um it's a lot better than sitting in the recliner with a with a you know glass of whiskey and just thinking so uh reach out to the veterans you know and quite honestly um I don't think any of these veterans would have taken advantage of had we just donated, you know, five or 10 grand to a, um, to a foundation. These aren't the kind of people that would really reach out and take advantage of that. Um, I didn't set this up in a way where I was feeling sorry for anybody or that they were inadequate or incapable. Um, a lot of the people that you see every day taking their kids to school that are veterans, um, maybe only served, you know, five or six years in, in, in the service. Um, and they're totally capable people and on the outside they're fine. Um, but on the outside after two or three tours or four tours over to that place, um, man, there's some damage there. Um, and a lot of it's just emotional of what they've, what they've seen. And especially now that we're just kind of letting it all go. So anyway, I'll start, stop rambling, but I think it's important to support our veterans and, uh, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. We're live. We're recording. All right, so we got uh, quite the crowd in here. How many do we have in here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Joe Rogan doesn't have shit on us. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we got we kind of had our our veterans weekend here, and we kind of gathering in here the last the last night um, Sunday. You can wear those if you want. There, Jay, wear it. I might wear mine just in case uh, somebody isn't talking. Li- Close enough. I'm this just is your su- sound guy. This is super sound. professional. That sounded sexy. <laughs> so uh, let's start with Jay since he uh, hopped right on the mic. And he is the influencer. You got to talk into that. I am no influencer. Okay. So Jay, <laughs> uh, what I want to do is go around the table and kind of have each person introduce themselves and just kind of talk for a second about like, Maybe what your background is or where you're from or whatever. You can say as much or as little as you want, but Jay. Hello, my name is Jay Fain. I am 36 years old, wounded Army veteran. I served in <clears throat> served in 1st uh, Infantry Division from 2005 to 2008. I was wounded in Iraq in 07, and now I work for Black Rifle Coffee Company, and I'm here forging knives with a, an amazing individual, guess but uh, joe maynard i mean yes. kayla <laughs> kayla <laughs> but uh appreciate you having us here man yeah thanks all right kayla uh i'm kayla side and uh i am also an army veteran um i am based out in san antonio and i too work for black rifle coffee company and as their uh, branding operations manager. Awesome. Kayla, that thing on your ring, on your finger over there is like blinding me. 
And me and Jay Fane also got engaged. <laughs> That's awesome. And so when when you got uh, engaged, um, it was it the beanie? Was that was that did that set the mood? Yes. The MKC with my uh, cargo pants and sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, because we had uh, an, uh, another Black Rifle Coffee um, employee get engaged last two weeks ago in our beanie. So I'm starting to kind of wonder if it's just a thing. Uh, just, don't wear them unless you want to get married, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Sales are going to plummet. <laughs> Alex. Hi, my name is Alex Sanchez. I'm from El Paso, Texas. Uh, I'm a Navy vet. I think one, I was one of the few Navy guys out here. Uh, my background is in uh, nuclear power plant. Uh, I was a nuclear power plant mechanic uh, on an aircraft carrier. And uh, so I'm, I'm pretty much really out of my element here just because like all these guys that were here were just you know like hunters and all kinds of like outdoor guys that you know wanted to make knives and i've just i've loved knives all my life but i've been a city guy my whole time my whole life but it's just so awesome to be here to learn from a master bladesmith and i I learned a lot this weekend and just just like the experience was yeah badass that's awesome cool go ahead sir so Trey Lashcott, and I didn't learn anything out here this weekend whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, so it's because you're a terrible student. <laughs> That's not my that fault. Has a, that has a lot to do with it. Yeah. So uh, Army Special Forces, aka Green Beret. Uh, I'm actually, depending on your definition of veteran, I am not quite there. I'm in the process of actually retiring. So I'll separate from the Army at the end of January of 22. Um, so it was a treat for. You know, you'd invite me out here, not officially being having that title, um, but also just, you know, the individuals that you meet. And I think that's the most important part of one of these things is is meeting everybody, the different personalities, uh, reconnecting with a lot of camaraderie that some people may have lost. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully having those connections carry on into the future. So greatly appreciate. Thank, thanks for everything and this weekend. Awesome. Cool. Thanks. Mic check. You're good. Okay. (laughs) My name is Eric Soto. Uh, I spent 13 years in the Air Force. Uh, I separated back in 2013. Uh, Since then, I've been a nomad doing contract work overseas. Uh, 52 countries now under my belt. So I didn't know there were that many countries. (laughs) There's 200. (laughs) I thought there was just one. Five embassies. In <laughs> yeah, Montana. <laughs> well, that's the only one that counts now. Yeah. Right. And after being here, yeah, some realtors are getting phone calls. So, <laughs> um, this weekend was was amazing. Um, first ever chance to to strike iron and 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 learn uh, from several master bladesmiths was just something that, I mean. Words can't express how thankful I am for the opportunity to be able to do this. Uh, it was just something that I'm going to cherish for the rest of my life. And if this sets me on a path that is what it needs to be, then this was the catalyst. Um, That's cool. So Awesome. Well, cool. Coleman. Coleman can't wait to talk on the microphone. He's pretty excited about it. Uh, I'm Coleman. Uh, I was United States Marine Corps 0307. 
I got Josie sitting next yeah. to me. Coleman's dog really wants to talk uh, into the mic bad. I, I'm from Wyoming. Uh, that's, I don't got much to say. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> We're happy you're here, Coleman. Yeah. Noel? Noel Weehy. Um, live in Savannah, Georgia from Cincinnati, Ohio. I served four years as public affairs specialist. All the boys are laughing. His <laughs> <laughs> fault. <sighs> So I served uh, four years as a public affairs specialist, brought me here. I would now work for Coffee or Die. I know far too much information about all of these individuals. <laughs> she knows She's going to splatter it all over the New York Times you next just week. Wait. Yeah. Um, and I had a great weekend. I've never been to Montana. Um, loved learning about everybody. Um, have no idea where the story is going to go. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's, like there's sure a lot of information. <laughs> So I had um, a lot. There was, I mean, there was two days of worth of interviews too. So, along with forging and um, not forging when I didn't want to. This was yelled your uh, this was your first assignment for Black Rifle for uh, Coffee or Day, right? First uh, travel assignment. And you're probably your last. Hell no! After they read what you write. <laughs> first of many. Yeah. First of many. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Bethany? Hello. I am I am Master Sergeant Bethany Horgan. Oh, Master, <laughs> master. Sergeant. I think I might be the... the wait, I, I thought think I was I the only be, Master Smith in this room. But. but I think I might be the only one that's still actively serving that was on this trip. Oh, except for our Special somebody, Forces guy, but we're sorry, not even on the same didn't even level. Pay attention to what yeah. say. We're not He's even on... Okay, we're, I'm, we're also working on our listening skills here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, your special forces are not supposed to know what yeah. you do, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> my, my, face, yeah. my face and my voice are both blacked out right now. Yeah. Well, I'm holding it down for the 3FO community because I'm a personnelist. So everybody, you know, can laugh at that. But I do the support so that the cool guys can do what they do. So if they like getting paid and if they like getting promotions and stuff like that, then I'm, I'm your That's right. awesome. That's pretty important. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I joined in 2003. Um, I'm a guard baby as well, so that's another thing y'all can laugh at me about. But um, I have done about 10 years civil service within the guard, and um, I'm on about eight, almost nine years of active duty. So so you know how much active duty I'm on or have done? I Zero, so I'm not laughing at any, <laughs> any, any anybody's <laughs> service. So yeah. None, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, but I also live in San Antonio. My, I'm currently stationed out at Randolph, um, working on a project down there. So I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy for the opportunity. Um, met lots of cool people this weekend and cool, you know, did a really cool badass dagger and I'm excited about it. Yeah. So Bethany didn't just make a knife this weekend. Bethany decided to make a prison shank. She, uh, yeah, it turned out really good. So Bethany actually forged like a full on dagger, double edge grind, whole nine yards. Everyone else make making hunting knives, and Bethany wanted to make something cool. Yeah, I tried to do something a little bit different. You know, I may only get this one opportunity to do this, so I thought go big or go home. Right? I love it. It's awesome, Joe. Hey, Joe Maynard uh, of Naked and Afraid. Oh, you son of a bitch! <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I am a retired dude uh used to fly helicopters and 
play in the water and Excuse now me. I make knives and I just spend my spend my life doing all the cool stuff that I've always wanted to do and 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 keep doing the stuff that I have done and just I don't know it's it's one of those things where you just kind of you wake up and you're just living your dream so I'm just going to keep doing it well so you were here right after Brandon Lily and Laura Zara were here this winter when this kind of this when I when I say this um you know like this gathering of this weekend kind of started um where we we got together and made that blade but then I was talking to you about it and you were just starting your mobile your mobile forge uh idea i mean you'd started it but the trailer was just being built and you were leaving here to pick it up right yeah so when i was here last time this was actually my last stop before stopping outside chicago to pick pick it up and bring take it took it home started outfitting got some buddies of mine and shout out to crash for all his welding work and then just started outfitting it and putting putting things in and kind of doing test runs here at my house and you know obviously after what everybody saw this weekend, there's still a few, you know, things to pull out, pull out and put in. <laughs> <laughs> he can't help himself. <laughs> I'm a play baby, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, and well, well, and it was, uh, I mean, it's kind of wild talking about it then. And then how it, it seems like it was, was yesterday, but then also a lot of stuff's happened between now and then, but it's pretty cool to see, it kind of come full circle. We actually talked about it on the podcast because you're the you're my first repeat on the podcast. So what was you were so good? To, yeah. Well, so I'll, I'll tell you that that from the time I guess the moment of conception to the time that I got that trailer, I never actually could see it happening. I just knew what I wanted to do, and my dad was the one who basically told me in. In, in, in a roundabout way, quit being a bitch and, and just pull the trigger and do it. So I, so I did. Because I, 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 I kept going to him saying, well, what about this? How do I do this? And, and, and what about this? And how do I make money? And then how do I go back to the shop? And he's like, just, just do it. You'll figure it out. And so like we, we talked about it. I didn't have very many details then. Right. You know, and in some ways, I still don't. So I just, I just going to keep doing it. Yeah. And, and hope that people enjoy what I'm trying to do with it and jump on board. Well, like people, these guys here. I, I do encourage people to go back and, and listen to the podcast where I had you on because we, um, we kind of talked more about your history, your background, how you found forging and knives and whatnot. Um, and for people that listen to that and I, and I did get a ton of messages of people that had listened to that and thought that was a, you know, really cool, inspiring kind of powerful podcast. Um, you so did? yeah. Huh. Oh yeah. A lot of messages. I just didn't send them to you. Oh yeah, I got I got a lot. I got some phone calls on the road actually. Right after I left your house, or actually, I was on the road to, I was almost home, or I was on the way somewhere, and I just talked to you, and then, yeah, I, that's when your podcast came out, and then all, you know, I got a bunch of messages, but yeah, I didn't realize it was people were actually listening to you. I didn't either. It's kind of scary. Yeah, I didn't either. So, Jay. You've been around the blade forging just a little bit, like at Winter Strong and whatnot. But had you had you tried it? Had you had you actually done the forging at Winter Strong at Burt's, or was this your first time? Yep, this is my first time, man. So, what were your thoughts of? Like, did you enjoy what? What, what part of it did you like? Or was it the blade grinding? Or like Laura Zara was here doing fire? Was there something over the weekend that was kind of like, I don't know, more more enjoyable to you than other things? Or did something um, click? Or 
Yeah, I mean, I really like the the grinding process because it like really fulfilled like my OCD. Yeah, you know, you, I can get really nice and smooth and fine and straight, and it just it was just really comfortable to watch watch that steel just like get down to like a very flat, smooth level looking surface and just it was just very fulfilling and i didn't have to think about anything else but that but that piece of metal yeah that's uh i i actually told people this weekend like the forging's fun and whatnot but if you're actually want to make knives like start with blade grinding and that's actually part of it like you can you can really take a, a pretty regular flat normal piece of steel and with a grinder in just a short amount of time i mean you kind of saw and especially if you're not trying to like fix screw-ups and kind of challenges from forging, if you just start with a regular flat piece of steel, you can actually turn that into a knife in a hurry. Um, you can definitely transform that piece pretty quickly. I mean, with a flat piece of steel, you could have had, I mean, you could add holes drilled in that and a, and a handle on it, you know, in a pretty short amount of time. Yeah, I, can, I can do that all day long just because it's so much fun. It kind of reminds me of, like, when I do, like, my lawn, <laughs> and my grass, you know, Kayla's <laughs> rolling her eyes, <laughs> like the edging and all, like Hashtag the lawn dad. lawn dad. Do you uh, do you allow Kayla to to use the mower? Is she allowed to, you know, make the lines or she hasn't had the chance yet? Yeah, that'll be your first fight, probably. <laughs> <laughs> so my wife loves the straight lines in the yard too, and I just kind of relinquished the mowing over to her and let her. It do just her looks thing. better. Yeah. So you look at it and you appreciate the work. You're like, ah, that looks so good. Yeah. So just like the rough edges or whatever things spilling over. And I don't give a shit. So I'm just trying to make our, our home together <laughs> that I'm trying to build our lives together, you know, <laughs> yeah. look good. Shots out. <laughs> yeah. Kayla mows the, um, takes the lawnmower after you're done at a 45 right through the middle of the yard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Trey was kind of getting on. Why is it? Why? What's the deal with calling Joe? Just a every time we talk about his occupation, you call him a taxi driver. What's the? Are you an Uber? Wait a second. I have not heard this, but I will say yeah, since 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 it's been said, I will say just because you, you buy the hat, he's a very good shirt. taxi driver. He gets me to where I need to go, and then picks me up when I need to come back home. Is Which he is ever, the most important part? Wait, wait, wait. When he need no, when he co- wants to come back home, that's it. <laughs> it's, he doesn't need to. He just wants to because he knows how awesome those rides are. I, I, I will tell you the most beautiful sound, and even when I started in the military, and you know, towards the end of my career, that one of the things I love hearing is the sound of a chopper blade come in. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but you know, it's a little sense of okay, here it comes. Yeah, so. And here's my here's my ride. Yeah, here's, Dan- my, ta- here's my taxi driver. <laughs> maybe maybe dinner and a shower are getting closer and might be an actual reality, potentially. Maybe, maybe. maybe. at maybe. least dinner. Maybe maybe just baby wipes. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna have to stroke the ego a little more than that, boy. That's not gonna that's not gonna cut it. I'm still I'm I'm still not convinced that uh, that you mean it. So I I need Do I need, need more. a hug. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I after know. this, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. These helicopter pilots are sensitive. They are. They are. They need a lot of, like, you know, just compliments. Yeah. Just bringing them up all the time. See, everything you had said 15 seconds ago is gone now. (laughs) 
It's yeah. how I try to keep my marriage alive too. Yeah. My, my wife says I'd never give her compliments. So, you know, birthday weekend's coming up. I, I got a whole week of compliments planned out. So yeah, I've been working on it, you know, and sensitivity. So maybe I can shift a little bit of that over to Joe. There wasn't any You're amount an awesome of pilot. There, the whole weekend. There wasn't any amount of shit given at all with any of these guys to anybody. So, Oh no, no. I think everybody was what rainbow kisses and puppy love and, yeah, but you know that's actually no kidding. That's the one of the best things about getting together in a group like this is Trey and I can give each other shit twenty four seven, or I can go fart on his pillow, which I did last night before he went to bed, <laughs> and nobody smell wonderful, and nobody, you know, nobody's going to think twice if I say, you know, hey, I got a flat tire, and I I need your help before I leave, you know, or I need help loading up the trailer like Trey Trey did today, and I I will give it to him for that one. He, I, even after I said, I've got a process, it's my trailer. If I ruin it, I can just fix it and be upset with myself. But if you ruin it, I'm going to say, Hey, yo, I'm pissed. Get the hell out of my face. <laughs> and, but he, but he insisted on helping and we figured out a lot better way to load the inside. It's one of those processes in that thing that just is going to keep evolving until, you know, I stopped using it. Yeah. So let's, th- this weekend, uh, we camped in tents. Some of us, I slept in my, I warm bed like a good leader. <laughs> well, Leave by example. Well, yeah, well, all my people were out in tents in the rain. So it hasn't rained here in months and uh, planned on this, set this, set this all up. And, uh, and Coleman, I, I had tents all out there and Coleman was like, no, I'm just going to sleep on the ground. He's going to have his little dog with him and sleep on there. I was like, man, I don't know. I think it's going to rain. And um, we kind of got everybody going that direction and how long did you last out there coleman well until it started raining <laughs> <laughs> two minutes yeah. no actually it was kind of nice just laying there listening to the rainfall on yeah. me and shit and then yeah. went in the tent and listened to it got some got some roommates in there who was the snorer was that eric no I heard somebody was snoring last Multiple night. Multiple people. It sounded like you were surrounded by it bees. Could have been. <laughs> could have been my dog. I don't yeah. know. So we uh, we haven't had rain in months, and then all of a sudden, I plan an event. My neighbor actually texted me and said, "This is your fault because it was it rained like an inch and a half and freaking ten minutes the other day, and then it rained every day and every night that you guys were here." Your and neighbor, uh, I think Trey had water drip on him. It was kind of a uh, we're testing out his uh, torture you know, ability to take some torture in the tent as the water just slowly dripped on his forehead. Um, misting, misting. When like, looking like a solid drop, like I was, you know, hanging out with the CIA or anything. It was yeah. just a, a gentle mess. Jay, did you stay dry in your tent? Man, it was so rough out there. <laughs> oh my God. Under that nice house, that cabin and that bed. With, <laughs> we finally got a fan in the room. So that made it so much better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so just so everybody else knows, I don't know if, if the rest of you guys were here when it happened. And I heard it as I was walking away. And it was like, because I remember thinking, hey, this guy's coming. He's got one leg, dude. He's like 20% less, you know, mass than the rest of us. He doesn't want special treatment. That's, he, that's a good way to make yeah, it. Joe, Joe actually told me that, like, yeah, oh, if I, I know him, he's not going to want special treatment. No, he's not going to want special treatment. He's, no, he's going to say, no, I'm going to sleep outside. As I'm walking away, I hear, hey, uh, what did you say? I'm not above taking the bed. <laughs> yeah. No, it, yeah, it was definitely like, it, I was like, hey, so do you, do, are you good with the house or do you, do you want a tent? And 
Jay's like, oh, I want a fucking bed. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. He never turns down comfort. <laughs> yeah. My man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why he gets uh, uh, Manny's and a Petty. I know. A Petty. Half, half off. a Petty. Half, half off Petty. Half off Petty. Yeah. Got a beautiful foot. <laughs> yeah. His foot. And one extra. clean flip flop. Yeah. Do they polish the uh, the other leg, like armor roll it or anything? I, to be honest, I, I can't remember where we're at. It was one lady. She scrubbed his prosthetic foot clean. He doesn't, he doesn't clean it. So it's like he just walks around with just like dirt on his plastic foot. <laughs> she was like. Mm, hold on. <laughs> she just started She's like a toothbrush or something. Thing with a so she charged you full price for that one? <laughs> no. Oh. no. No. Yeah. Kayla, next time you guys go, have him get his toenails painted. He's what color, asking, babe? He's been asking if he should. I think you should match his new knife. I should. Pink. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be good. It's because I'm hot AF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sitting there in your in your little uh little short shorts right now. Uh, I'm sorry I'm beautiful. Yeah, it's all right. Noel, how did the tent situation go? Did you uh, did you stick it out the whole weekend, stay out there, really battle through the conditions? It was a couple good hours. A couple good hours. So Noel being – her boss actually told me on the phone, like, sending up this new rider. We just hired her. Give her the good Montana experience. So we had an extra bed in the house, but when she showed up, we were literally eating a full-ass – mule deer leg over a fire and i'm sure she when she showed up she's like what are these people doing because we were doing the flip-flop with a mule deer a whole entire mule deer leg well at that point actually all the meat was gone off of it and we were holding it up next to jay (laughs) like it was his bony leg that we were eating (laughs) so i'm sure you were like what the hell but we stuck uh noel in her tent and then Ten minutes later, it decided to piss rain for eight straight hours. I stuck it out though. It was a long day of travel. I just, I just knocked out. It woke up a little good. wet. Yeah. What'd you tell me this morning? You were, um, maybe just drunk enough to go to sleep. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Showed up just in time, just to get a little drunk, pass out nice and good. Yeah. Were you worried about bears or anything like that? A little bit. I did have read to things. Mention those. <laughs> I read Google. Um. <laughs> Funny when you Google Montana, what to watch out for. Last night, though, after Noelle proved herself, she had she was kind of like, "Hey, can I have a bed?" I was like, "Yeah, sure." Tasted so, inside. I'm yeah, like, she moved oh God, inside last night. Out here. She she earned it. So no one looks a quitter. Was it you that came into my room last night? Was like, "Hello." <laughs> <laughs> I think he was looking for. I forgot clarify, about that. He was looking for her room, <laughs> and he was like, "I was trying to find my wife." <laughs> Well, he opened the door and I was like, hello? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, hello. <laughs> what do you say? And then he just, you just said hello and then you shut the door. Yeah. And that I, was it. I didn't know where my wife had put all the different people on our house and which bedroom was open or not. And I was trying to find Noelle a spot. Well, I, I wasn't. <laughs> I opened it slow so someone had at least time to like. Pull oh, it was after, it was after midnight ass. and I was already lights out. It was time for bed. So it was like. Yeah, it was one or two in the morning. It yeah. was low. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're lucky Noel didn't climb in with you because we weren't I wasn't sure which room we were putting her in. So uh what let's let's run down a little bit of a rabbit hole here since we got all you guys and all this stuff, current affairs going on right now with Afghanistan. Um switching gears. Um 
those of us that are civilians look at all this and don't know what to believe or what to think. And there's like all these different opinions flying around, which I think I'll speak for myself. I kind of agree with a lot of the opinions flying around on both sides of it. We should come home. We should stay, you know, we should draw down slow. We should leave a base there. We should never have gone in the first place, like all these different ideas. Right. And so, um, there's all this stuff flying around and I don't know, Trey, what's your, uh, you know, and, and then there's that whole veteran side of it, right? Where like, I mean, you know, well, I mean, Jay lost a leg over there, right? I mean, um, you were in Iraq, but I mean, in this whole entire kind of conflict over the last 20 years, um, you know, you weren't, didn't have that happen in Afghanistan, but a lot of your guys did, a lot of guys lost lives, um, or, or just the stress of, you know, what was left over afterwards. Um, what, what's your thoughts, Trey, on what's going on right now? We put the active duty guy on, on the spot. Yeah. But, uh, and you if, you can't, if you can't talk about it, uh, we'll get somebody to rant next to you. <laughs> yeah. Pull that uh, boom down so I'm not staring at that stupid-ass boom in front of you. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you know, I think first and foremost, uh, you know, the blood and treasure that was lost, I mean, you, you can't ever replace that, right? Um. So, we, you know, putting that part aside, I think the biggest thing for the, for me, I look at it from a couple different perspectives, right? So one of them is the humanitarian side of me and all those people that we helped and, and the small percentage that actually truly cared and truly wanted something bigger than their tribe and, and were edging towards nationalism, you know. We, we worked on schools to try to integrate females. We worked on trying to open up the area for farmers to be able to learn how to grow their crops. I mean, they at one point they were losing 70% of their crops and we had to open up the area for USAID to come in and, and be able to teach them how to cultivate. And for all those things that were moving in a progressive manner, it, you feel bad that it, you know, that all that work and effort just kind of went down the drain. Um, but we, we kind of have a saying in the soft community that we can't we can't want something more than they do. Mm-hmm. You have to keep reminding yourself that it's their country, it's their fight, and you can't want it more than they do. And I think when you you put the emotion into it, um, and, and rightfully so with the emotion, right? Um, it, it clouds the the perspective slightly. It's like, hey, it, at the end of the day, it's on them. Mm-hmm. They got to be the ones to stand up and fight, and I think we saw in the news today that the Northern Alliance is kind of um, coming back together, and one Taliban governor and deputy governor um, actually just turned over all their weapons. So maybe maybe there's a little bit of of hope um, that they can actually fight and defend themselves. Uh, I mean, all of us, I think most of us in the room have had some have touched Afghanistan in one form or fashion. Mm-hmm. And you hope that our efforts, even if we weren't there on the ground directly, um, indirectly through training and some other mannerisms, that it it's going to pay off. And I, in the long-term perspective I look at it is, there, there's this tendency to want to compare Afghanistan to um, Vietnam, mm-hmm. right? Well, and I, I sit back and I, I look at it from a historical perspective, and I said, well, Look at where Vietnam is today. I know people who take their honeymoons there. <clears throat> right. 
You know, it's a beautiful place. Who's to, to say that the seeds that we plant today, the people that we've influenced, you know, two generations down the road, that it won't be a better place. Mm-hmm. You know, so everybody's got their own opinions, which they're entitled to. Um, I err on the side of optimism. Um, that may be a, a fault of mine. I don't know. Uh, but I, I hope that it is moving in the right direction. And I hope that everybody's efforts out there weren't wasted or people don't feel like they were in vain. Right. Well, and there's, I mean, to that point, there's, you know, a lot of young kids in that country that are maybe, let's say 10, 12 years old and on up to 18 that probably were touched by a lot of you guys or saw a lot of what went on. And maybe if things get worse for a little while, they'll remember a lot of what was done that was good for them by the Americans and a lot of the coalition forces and whatnot. That, and maybe that'll cause, you know, five years from now when those 15 year olds are 20, maybe some uprisings or, you know, maybe something to try to change, change the tide. If, if, uh, if that doesn't happen right away, um, what are, what are your guys as somebody here? One of you guys, uh, what do you, what do you guys say? Um, Eric or Alex or anybody, Jay, what, what do you guys say to, uh, the veterans that, are struggling right now with like that sense of, of failure that well, they didn't do enough or, or cause I've, I've, I've seen it and I've heard it. Um, what's that? I'm saying we did a good fucking job. Yeah. I'll tell, I'll tell you, I don't, I don't have like the middle ground about it at all. Like mm-hmm. I'm one side of the fence or another. And, you, and it's not just the topic of Afghanistan. There's so many subtopics in there that you can be on one side of the fence or the other. Yes. I do have that sense of, of quote unquote failure sometimes because I spent so many years of my life in there that the last thing I wanted was for, for my kid to have to be there, you know? So, right. and the fact that he's over there now, you know, so there's that little bit of like, damn, I, I, what else could I have done? You know, obviously probably nothing, but there, on the other sense, there's, it's, it's one of those, we did everything we were yep. a supposed to do be told to do and see thought was right, which follows everything that military is taught. You know, can I do this? Should I do this? What would my bosses think? Well, and that's and so, why I asked that because, you know, I know there's guys struggling with those senses right now, but I don't think anybody, I mean, obviously there's, there's certain people out there, but I would say that 99% of American civilians feel like our men and women went and did everything they were asked to do. Now you could and and did it well and as good as you can, but like you said, those people have to stand up and fight for themselves as well. And, and you can only you can only want it so much. Absolutely, and you cannot listen to the freaking public, man. You listen to all those assholes out there, and you know what? They compare Vietnam to Afghanistan, right? I anybody that's listening, or if you even know somebody who knows somebody, if you were in Vietnam and in Afghanistan, call me, tell me it's the same, and I'll apologize. But until you were, shut the fuck up. You know what right. I mean? Because I don't have that middle gear about it. Like, right. I get emotional. I get pissed off. And so I'm either, you know, upset at myself or wishing I could have done something to the point of just wanting to clear the table with these people. Right. Because unless, I mean, I love you to death and your opinions matter. And I, I value your opinions. But the way you deliver them to me is, and to all of us, 
is just it's is exactly the way you should do it mm-hmm. you know but but for some for people out there to just start bashing us or or telling us that that you know the same people that are saying oh you can't just turn and run that's not fair are the same people saying we need to get out of there well for how many presidents now in a row ran how many presidents in a row ran on getting out of afghanistan and now Four presidents, three presidents, like every one yeah, of them. Three, depending on if you're counting Bush at the beginning. Right. It's It was four with him, if not three. Right. And and pretty much every politician running for every office was, was you know, was agreeing that wanting to get out in one way or another. But it's interesting now that we're getting out. It's like, how do you get out well? You know, how do you get out the right way? And... I don't know. I don't know if there's, we, we kind of talked about this weekend. Yeah. Is there really a way that you can get out, whether you get out over five years or five days, would the results be different? That's the hardest part of this. It, it's not like uh, sending a rocket to the moon where it's complicated, but it's not complex, right? right. I mean, that, that's what you have to equate it to. It, it's a complex situation dealing with humans, and it sets in a whole new dynamic. There, there's no easy way to do it, and there's always going to be a rough end at the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's just the way it, it was going to work. I mean, the alternative was we have a couple of different solutions in history that we could have gone. We could have gone to you know the World War II solution where we we set up a permanent base and structure in that area, and whether you know Germany, Japan, you know Italy, all examples of that, um, or we could have done a, a more permanent presence and progress like we did in Colombia. Colombia is a great model for how we did it, but we have a lot of Americans in that country who have been there for over 40 years mm-hmm. and have taken it from where, you know, the Pablo Escobar days to where they are now, which, you know, they aspire to be a part of the UN and everything else. Mm-hmm. But it, it takes that willpower and that willingness to stay. And it also takes the people in that country to want to fight for something larger than themselves, right? At, one of the weaker points of Afghanistan. There's there's not a whole lot of sense of nationalism there. Well, and all our leaders seem to have set ourselves up for um, a really tough situation when there's really not a clear objective given, like, you know, are we staying forever or are we getting out quickly? You know, and, and hopefully in the future, if we decide to go in somewhere, we kind of have that clear objective of, hey, we're going in here for 48 hours and we're done, or we're going in here for the next 50 years and going to try and clean this up for good. But I don't know. It's, it's hard. It's not a conventional battle. Yeah. World war two yeah. was different. There was an objective at the end. Clear you knew enemy. who they were. They wore something on their uniforms right. or, their, or their hats or whatever that said, I guess what? I'm the enemy. We are fighting a non, an unlawful combatant. Right. That doesn't follow, follow any codes of the Geneva convention. So you can't just say, Oh, this is our objective. We're going to pick it up, and we're going to come home. So, yeah. but speaking on that, had the ROEs been different, do you think we would have had a different outcome? Absolutely, absolutely. You can't, you can't, no, you can't yeah. punch somebody in the face with your hands tied behind your back. Yeah. So, agree and disagree, right? So, I, I know where you're coming from, but the what people don't understand is that battle. And what we did in Afghanistan had shifted from a complete dynamic. So when we first went in there with the Northern Alliance, linked up them with you know some people I know very well, right? That it was 
uh, it's called what we call unconventional warfare. So you went in, you had an oppressive body, the Taliban, and you wanted to free those individuals. You know, kind of our motto, uh, the oppressor liberator, which is to free the oppressed. And then as we got established, you know, they got kicked out, uh, demilitarizing and uh, the Northern Alliance and kind of centralizing all of their weapons and turning them into a real government, per se. That shifts now. That is what we call foreign internal defense, and it becomes, uh, you know, a, a role that we, like, we, we kind of do it 70%, roughly 70% or, or more of our missions that we do in the world of the U.S. military is on that what we call security cooperation bubble, and it is going and helping a nation to be able to defend themselves against threats internal and external, right? And we shift to that. So our ROE has to follow that too because we have to take almost a back seat and it's really unpleasant for us to want to go into combat zone and want to be able to be in charge because we're good at it and we know what we're doing. And But I mean, we started early on and, and people don't like that that shift and that change. I mean, there's always drama with change. And and that was just one of those complications is and and it, and it may be a failure on communication from the leadership too, right? Not not expressing that. Um and then maybe underestimating the intelligence level of subordinates to the lowest level. That hey, if we give them the reasoning and the purpose behind it, that they'll understand and and we can all move in a more progressive manner. But I mean, I understand the handcuffs, but we, we can't, you kind of have to do it because, again, it goes back to it's their fight. It ain't ours. There, there, was, there was a conveyance from the leadership right around the, the time of Petraeus with the coin, yep. you know, and yep. all yep. that yeah, came yeah, out. And it, and it was, hey, this, this is how we're going to win this fight. Yep. You know, not just hearts and minds, but the, but the entire, the entire, I mean, everything that they came out with for it. You know, I'll tell you what, honestly, bottom line is his original question was, did we do what we were supposed to do or do we have any regrets or any of that kind of stuff? And I will say for me, it's yes or no. It's yes and no. You know, some people it's absolutely not. Some people it's absolutely I do. And some people it's like, look, it was a job. Some, and for some people it's like, Hey, I want to go out and make the world a better place. And it's, it's just not done yet, you know? Coleman, what, uh, I mean, are you willing to talk a little bit about your thoughts on it, or I, is it just too hard to kind of no, discuss? Or I just think that, fuck yes, we did what we were supposed to do, and fuck no, we don't got regrets. Yeah. And that and that's, but, and that's, I think that's how, on the outside looking in, I think that's exactly how everyone should look at it. And I, and I actually hope all guys do men and women, because to me, that's the best, that seems like from the outside, like the best way to deal with everything going forward and, and be able to move on in life and, and live your lives outside of the military, feeling like you did everything that you needed to do. And there's, you, you can't make a whole nother civilization do something they want to, don't want to do if they don't want to do it. I mean, yeah, like he said, we can't want it more than he, than they do. Right. right. So, I want your question about regrets. Like you can't ask your, are all of us have had friends, many friends who aren't here anymore. Right. But we have somebody here that is, that has lost something 
And let me, I'll, I'll ask you, Jay. I'll put you on the spot. That's right, Bubba. Yeah, you. The guy with one leg. Yeah, you. Hey, if you could go after, after seeing how everything's going right now, if you could go back and say, I, I, I would have rather spent those three or four years in college and have my leg than to go over there and be in this position you're in now, what would you say? If I had a choice? Yeah, if you had a choice to go back, <clears throat> was it worth a leg, basically, is what I'm saying to you? I mean, you yeah, you I have no regrets there at you all. Go. See, yeah. all, look, all of us have aches and pains, but he's physically, you know, missing. I mean, he, every day is just, you know, there's not a full struggle. Dude's a stud. I mean, look at him. But you, but you, <laughs> but you've got to, <laughs> but you've got to ask that question to pounds. say, hey, was it, was it worth a leg? I know it's, it's a leg and some, you, you know, is it just a leg or holy crap, it is a leg. Right. But, that's somebody that can really answer that question. Yeah, I didn't sign up joining the military in the middle of like the height of wars, not knowing the risk that I might not come back. You know, I didn't like, like I, I, I think, you know, if I didn't think if it, if I didn't have that mindset, I think if I would have joined, got hurt during that time, got hurt and came back, act like a like a complete fucking dickhead, like. I'm a fucking asshole for thinking for being that way, you know, like guys that join around that same time are, are guys or girls, you know, and, and they if if they start acting like a prick, it's not because their time and service because they were already predisposed that way, you know, so using it as, as an excuse to just let it out. Of yeah, the bag. exactly. So I don't know, like. You can't blame your time in service and what happened to you during service for the way you are. That's you well, just were that way anyways before you joined the military. But like serving overseas during the time of war, joining being in the military, which is the one thing the mil- our military is good at is at war. Mm-hmm. So you got to go in the mindset like, okay, this is what I'm here for. I'm not. I'm not here to like. I'm not saying not make friends or do anything, but I'm here for business. Like this is, we're we're here to be good at war, mm-hmm. and there are things that can happen from that, and you're going to come back differently, or uh, everyone comes back differently in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you manage that for the rest of your life? Right. You know. Well, and I. I Really, as, as even in the civilian world, you I don't care if you're at war, if you're if you're on a ship away from the very front line of it, or you're a civilian back at home, like you always just do your best with the information you have at that moment. Whether you're it doesn't matter what you're doing. And and then you kinda have to live with you know, you can look you can always look back, even in civilian life, like, you know, I'm divorced. You can look back and you can you can regret things or you can want to go back and change things or you can be glad things happened the way they did or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is, but in the end you have to figure out a way to take the information or, or take the, the, the things that happened to you in your life and then move forward. And that's where I'm hoping, you know, like events like this and I, and, and, you know, you guys working for black rifle coffee, I, I guess where I'm kind of wanting to go with some of this is like, I hope guys that are struggling will try to get 
in touch with people, maybe find something that they're, that does interest them. If they're watching YouTube videos every single night on, uh, you know, people shooting bows, then try and go to an archery course or find someone that shoots a bow and start learning that. Or if they're watching YouTube videos on Damascus steel and they're sitting in their house and they're just watching a bunch of those videos and not going out, like contact a knife maker and try and go out and start finding that next passion and move on and, um, and find something that kind of like fires you up again, gets you excited. Um, we can all kind of live with different regrets we've had in life, whether you're in service or not. Cause there's a lot of people that deal with a lot of stress and issues and depression and whatnot that never fought in war, never got close to it. Um, so this goes for a lot of different people really. Um, so I don't know. I hope a weekend like this, um, what I, what I said this weekend at one point was even if somebody from this weekend, one of the guys or gals that was here goes home and tells somebody about it and shares it with them. And they say, man, that sounds really cool. And that person is needing kind of an outlet or something new to try or a passion, you know, find a passion there. There's so many, whether it's kids or adults or so many people these days that are living a, a life of just repetition, going to work and coming home and watching the news at night and getting pissed off at whatever the bullshit is they're feeding you. Cause most of it's bullshit one way or the other. Um, try and find a passion that that excites you and gets you to turn off the television and and try something new you know i'll tell you i don't think i i don't think i missed anybody <clears throat> i know i said it in front of everybody and i and i'm pretty sure i said it individually to most of you that that that's exactly how i feel almost personally this is to go for you guys and i i'm not trying to grandstand i'm just saying that after your service and just, just like you're about to get into Trey and, and most of us are in and Bethany's going to be in it someday, you know, is that once you retire or that you get out or you separate or however it goes, you almost feel like, I don't know, in some ways you almost feel like you, you, owe, you still owe, right? You had a life of service the entire time you're in, whether you not, you want to either believe it, admit it, or look at it that way. Even if you just joined for the free college, you're still in a life of service. You're serving your entire nation. So when I retired, you know, and you go through the ups and downs, eventually that's, that's, I felt like that's the one place I felt like I belong somewhere. You know, I mean, I think he's gone, but I know that Coleman said it last night, actually, remember sitting out here that you get to a point where you feel like you don't belong and then if you look weak and you portray weakness, then my buddy's not going to want to come to me because he thinks I'm too weak for him to handle his shit. And so you, so, so you, 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 you go through that and you think about those things. So if you can, you know, if you can have a trailer out here and have people banging on the floor of it and dropping steel and laughing about it, do it. If you can sit there and just shake hands with somebody and, ha and look them in the eye and say, and they know that they, they can call you, that's worth it. If Trey, if Trey, you know, if, if he gives up this, you know, phony dream of being a green beret <laughs> and finally admits that, you know, he cleans toilets, but they're the cleanest toilets in the world. Hey man, I still love you. Commit. Yeah. It, commit, it's about. commit to it. And just, <laughs> but you know what? He knows that he can call me. 
Because and he'll I, give, you'll give him a ride somewhere. Well, I'll tell him which toilets need clean. <laughs> Taxi guy. Yeah, that's right. I'll give him a ride. But you know, <laughs> you you, re, you retire from a life of service, and doesn't mean your service is over. You know, you're not wearing. I'm not wearing. You know, a uniform anymore. Although that this feels like a uniform most days because you wear it all the time when you're out in the forge. But you just you just keep going. And if I mean, I, Alex, I spent the last what two three nights sleeping next to this dude in a tent. Was he warm? Snuggled up. That beard is so warm. But I'm telling you, I know, and he's probably the quietest one here. Honestly, Alex is probably the quietest one here. But I know that if I call Alex, yeah, bro, I got you what you need. You know? It's it's one of those things. It's not going to be a problem. And if and if you don't have that with somebody, you better find it because they're out there. Mm, you, north of the Mason-Dixon, sorry for your luck. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was the coolest thing about this weekend what I was saying is you brought like from a civilian standpoint you just brought all these veterans from all over the states and like it was just so cool to meet veterans from all walks of life really and just like to see them all here and see them passionate about the same thing and see how passionate you are about knives and just like we were out there till I don't know like, I don't even I lost track of time most of the time because we were out there for you know hours and hours just pounding steel mm-hmm. and it was so cool to see everybody from different walks of life come together and just meet in this uh i don't know like just experience this have this experience mm-hmm. and all enjoy it the same way well and that part part and i'm i'm glad it worked out the way it did but that was you know we we put on um <clears throat> hammerings in the knife community where where knife makers come together from all walks of life and all different political beliefs and, you know, all different looks and different states and whatnot. And those always had this kind of feel where like in the beginning, you're kind of standoffish and you got your couple guys that are really standoffish and you got your couple guys that are fucking loud right off the bat. And, and, and then kind of everybody in the middle and, you know, in the beginning, there's a couple people that are hanging out with each other that kind of know each other you know, on Friday morning and by Saturday afternoon, everybody's laughing and having a great time. And by Sunday afternoon, everybody's hugging and saying, can't wait to see you the next time. And that teaching you guys to build knives, like that, that was part of it for sure. I mean, the forging and, and I do hope that somebody goes away from here just in love with banging on steel or grinding blades or whatever, like in love with it. And hopefully somebody sends me a message wanting to know how they can buy a forge and a grinder and do that whole thing. But uh, yeah, Coleman, Coleman's like a human power hammer, <laughs> little giant trip hammer. It, it was nuts last night. I said, I said goodnight to a bunch of people and you know, I was, I was talking to Laura and Trey and, and it was like, all right, y'all good night. It's like, I don't know, 12, one o'clock. And light's still on here, and it was, and, hey, Josh, you want to turn the light off, close the garage door? Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah I went to bed that, at 1. That'd be awesome. So, I, And I thought it was about over. Oh, I, I walked back in here just to remind, close the lights off. Hey, don't forget, there's some stuff over here, whatever. And these three were still sitting up, and I was talking to them, and it turned into knowing that one of those, one of the three decided, showed up, and was immediately uncomfortable Mm-hmm. because that's him he's like yeah i'm not a people person and i didn't and nobody was talking to me and i didn't know i didn't you know know what to say and then it turned and then and then some 
somebody else, we'll just call him Twitch, said, I'm, and, I, and I actually called him Twitch. And I said, you know, and I said, I, I, I just love watching you guys. I can, everybody's got their own personality. And you haven't said anything to anybody. So, yeah, of course, I, I understand that. But that I'm not going to pressure you. And then he said, and that, that st- that'll stick with me forever. But he said, remember last night, he said, um, yeah, I just wish somebody would come over and say, you know, talk to me and say hi. Because he can't do that. You know, and that was like, holy crap. And I immediately was like, holy shit. Like, all right. From, that's, a, that's, a, that's something in my head that I'm going to say, okay. Next time I see that, I'll, I'm not going to give him his space and, you know, be the chicken about it. I'm going to go over there and talk to him. And then... Twitch, I said, I said, and you, you got, you know, I know you got, you got your nervous ticks. And he goes, I'm, I'm so surprised you know that about me. I was like, well, that's just look at you, man, you know. But yeah. you got to say it from far away because he's tough, and he looked like he whooped my ass. He, yeah, you know, he could. But it was just. Next thing I know, we polished off like the last half bottle of that bourbon, and it was more like it, at first it was just like, hey guys, you know what? And they were think they thanked me for being there and, and you know talk giving a few words yesterday, but. It was like, here, here's a drink. And I'm like, oh, man. I, I, and it's not just a, a quick drink. It was more like a chug, 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 chug. Oh, my God. That's all a lot of bourbon. And then, it, and then right before I was leaving, I was like, all right, guys, I got to go to bed. Well, here, one more. No, no, just, just one more because that's the last of it anyway. We got to finish the bottle. And yeah. I was just sitting there just thinking, oh, man. And it took, I took the family circus route to my tent. You know, that yeah. whole walking around trying to find it. It's like, okay, I'm going to bed. <laughs> but well, that was ridiculous. I mean, that was definitely what I had hoped hoped would happen with the weekend. And hopefully, I think Trey said it to me yesterday, like, you know, hopefully guys will share phone numbers and, and you know, get a hold of each other afterwards. Um, not even from a, like, oh, hey, I'm depressed or whatever, but even just as, a like, friends like like buddies like man that that was a cool dude like I want to talk to that guy more and hang out with him you know and i'm hoping that 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 kind of stuff goes on where there was actually relationships and bonds what's happening what do you count i was just saying that i was looking around the table and i said there is actually nobody here that i would not be friends with <laughs> well and i was going to say that if if it's this person that i was thinking about um he was one of the quietest people but i mean I thought that I was interviewing him, and at the end, I was like, this is one of the toughest guys I know, because um, just struggling with even questioning, like, questioning your own mental health, and he's he's addressing it every day, and he's he inspired me. Mm-hmm. So leaving here, like, I'm like, well, if he could do it, then I could do it. So, like I said, it, it, I thought that I was interviewing him, but he inspired me. I should have had you interview everyone right here at this pod- podcast table. That would You could have done my job for me. And- that, that's a lot. Yeah, it would have been, but I mean, yeah, you actually had a cool job because you got a, you kind of got to know everyone individually a little bit more personally here than, like we all kind of you know get the the surface view of each other a little bit, but it's it's hard to take the time to really like dig in deep or ask questions, and obviously a lot of times you don't want to ask too much or whatever. But well, and I was gonna say that all I mean, it didn't take a journalist for somebody to to ask somebody something, and I would try to sneak into people's conversations because I was like what's going on over here? What information am I missing? So, I mean, just to see everybody communicating and sharing stories. And like he said, he, I mean, you get, you get a couple of Marines and a corpsman together. Like it was something like I've never seen before. And I, <laughs> Corman, it got weird. you would have, you would have thought that they've known each other forever. 
Marines and corpsmen are very inappropriate. <laughs> but it was so fun. Eric, jump in here. Yeah, jump right on the middle of the table and start dancing. So, we got to talk a little bit about whiskey. We got to change the, change the track here a little bit. So, how, how is it that you, you, you gave me a, a whiskey lesson. So, I, I've, I've only really ever had whiskey like in shots. Just, just like, you know, stupid college shit or whatever. But I've always been a beer guy. And last night, you actually taught us how to drink whiskey. So, how, how did you get, how did you get into your, I mean, cause you're like, seriously, like you're the, I've never met somebody that's like as into whiskey as you are, but actually like teaching people like how to appreciate it. I'm more of an amateur than anything else, but like as a overtly large individual who likes to eat, everything <laughs> about flavor is important to me, right? And so... <laughs> if it's not tasting good, I'm not going to drink it. And so through my contracting work, I had the opportunity to actually start spending the money that I needed to spend on myself, you know, to enjoy life and, and to do those things. And that's one of the hobbies I got into was whiskey. Yeah. And I mean, it's expensive hobby. But when you, when you're buying a bottle of whiskey, that is, what some people would consider expensive. You don't want to just fly through that experience. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like making Damascus, right? You take your time, you layer it, you, you, you're growing something that's, you're putting your whole life's work into. So when you, when you have a properly aged whiskey, you, you get to experience what someone did 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and what they put together in their hard work, right? So, you know, it's... Well, and it was cool because, like, when you when you talked about whiskey a lot, you were actually talking about it, like, not just drinking to get drunk all the time by yourself or whatever, but you said you're, like, it's very social. Like, you like to share it with people. And that's actually with the knife-making stuff. That's That's kind of a lot of times the most fun is when you're forging with somebody like I can forge out here in the evening by myself and it's all right. I mean, it's fun. It's fine. It's kind of like a job at that point. But if all of a sudden somebody's here and we're forging together and making stuff together, it's, well, it's like, you know, I, I, I bring a bottle to, to a group of people. Inevitably there's that one person in that group of people that just shoots 25 year old whiskey, like a college kid. And I just take their glass from them, and they don't get another one. <laughs> and it's, it's the same as someone coming in, bypassing the entire process of what you've done, and just wanting to temper a knife. Noel. Well, <laughs> Noel wants to forge it. Noel wants to forge it, and then just but, be done. Well, she did. She I was, did. I was here for different reasons. She, she did the most difficult part of, of it. Right, it she did. Just, she blistered her all, hand doing all, it. All it was done was it was finished in a different cask of whiskey. Right, that's yeah. that's how some people they'll distill a whiskey, they'll they'll age it for eighteen years, and then they'll finish it in a cherry butt cask, giving it a different flavor. That's all she did. She did all the front work, and then someone just came in and did some grinding on it. She outsourced her grinding to you, 
pretty much. Yeah. So you actually took you took to the grinding like so. It's interesting when you're doing this stuff. Some some people are really really good at the forging and and kind of get how that metal moves. And then some people, um, you know, struggle with the grinding. The grinding can be kind of a tough thing. But um, I was I was definitely impressed with your grinding abilities. Like I mean, you ground that thing like like a quality knife maker would grind. Like somebody that's ground fifty or a hundred blades. Again, it's, it's... Who did you outsource yours to? Ha, um, YouTube, actually. <laughs> uh, no, it, again, it's, it's you know, let's say you equate it to whiskey, right? Um, my ADHD is, I've used it to my benefit to learn how to do many different things. Whiskey's one of them, how to, how to be a part, how to actually distill for non-selling purposes. But... <laughs> You're learning the process and then going through the process and just the attention that, that it takes, the focus that it takes. I mean, I, I built shadow boxes and flag cases when I was enlisted in the military until my stuff was stolen. And I, that's what I would do. I would build custom retirement boxes and, you know, fine cabinetry style woodworking. And so when it comes to detail, it's just easy for me to relate to, you know. So that's... That's where I was. The last thing I wanted to talk to you about was, and I wanted to like publicly thank you. You brought us a flag that um, in a shadow box with a certificate that it was flown over a mission. Um, you know, can you can you kind of tell us about that? And um, it, it was really cool because you you actually have been a big supporter of MKC since the very beginning, like just through Instagram and messaging and. Um, buying our knives and and then you actually did that before this was ever a thing like that the 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 flag and the thoughtfulness that you did i mean you were sending us messages like hey i'm on the other side of the world but i'm going to be up at two in the morning trying to get a knife for a drop from a drop because it's seven o'clock here or whatever it was so um except for the speed goat that i purchased before being overseas um every knife that i've bought so far has been bought while overseas, yeah, so I would just set my alarm, get up, make the purchase, and go right back to sleep. You know, hope that yeah, that's oh, amazing to me. I mean, it's pretty humbling, but when quality chases quality, right? And so, for the longest time, I could only afford a certain level of quality. Now that I've prioritized myself in a lot of different aspects. I can go ahead and not splurge, but actually have those things around me that bring me to my full potential, right? I spent spent an hour with Laura trying to start a fire. <laughs> but I used my Blackfoot. I used my Blackfoot to, to whittle away at the wood like she taught us. Mm-hmm. And that thing still shaved arm, uh, hair on my arm. Right. And so the quality of that, you know, that that that'll relate to being able to go out for a hunt. You know, I know that if this knife gets buried deep into to an elk leg or something like that, I'm going to be able to just crank it right out and continue to cut and, 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 and continue. And it, I don't have to worry about any type of issues out in the field. Right. And so that quality is something that I've I've chased. And, you know, again, proper tasting foods, you know, you. You can have a regular store-bought steak or you can have that bison that we had the other, you know, 
yesterday, and it's just a, a different layer, different level of of being able to to appreciate the hard work that people put in. Yeah. Well, I just you're you're obviously a loyal, passionate guy, and and I, I really do appreciate the flag and the whole um, all the thoughtfulness that went into that and. I mean, you're a selfless guy, so I, I do. I just want to tell you thanks for that. I really do appreciate that. Um, it meant a lot. It's really cool. You know, it was a small token of my appreciation for what you guys have been doing as a whole for not only the veteran community, but for every single person you guys interact with, whether it's it's the bow tournaments that you guys, you know, the the, the bow tournaments you guys do. Whatever comes in the future, you – You've set the bar for a lot of different companies, a lot of different people to try to match. And it's not to try to match out of sheer necessity, but it's to match quality, right? Well, I, I appreciate that, but I, we're definitely, um, I don't feel like we've set a bar, but we're trying, I, I do know as a, as a young company, we're trying to meet a bar that's been set, I, I feel like, by some other companies that we appreciate and follow Sornex, you know, Black Rifle Coffee. There, there's some other brands out there that are bigger than ours that are doing things that like we kind of want to do. And so like, like this weekend is just a small, like hopefully we can do bigger, grander things, spend more money down the road. But um, I, I think if more small companies just did little things that they could do, like we'd all be better off, you know, as, I, I, as a society. Absolutely. The, the appreciation you know the, the the chasing of of these other companies isn't how I see you guys, right? Every company has their way of doing something, and like we talked about, you know, when you want to look up where you're going to donate money to, you know, you you look up at that list of nonprofits, and at the very top, you have the guys that are ninety eight percent of the money that's donated to them is pushed out to where it's needed. Versus some of the largest conglomerate style nonprofits uh, push out less than 10% to what's mm. needed, right? So as a collective, you're right. If we had like um, the premium meats, right? Stay classy meats. Or are you talking? Stay, cl- stay classy meats and, mm-hmm. and you guys and all these smaller companies banding together to, to provide a more complete experience for 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 the people is something that these larger corporations will never be able to do because they just they're in the in that in the grind right they're, they're well one one thing that i've seen some companies do um like black rifle or sornex and i'm not just saying it because black rifle employees are sitting here um but uh can you sponsor my business oh. uh no, the, one of the things I've seen him do is not just write checks, which like Black Rifle, for example, definitely writes a lot of checks for different stuff. But um, their leaders and then their employees, and same thing with Sornex, their leader and their employees both donate a lot of time, like their own individual, like they're involved. Like a lot of the guys that are in charge at Black Rifle are at a lot of these events, or at least they... At least they go there and put in some of their own time. Like if they travel um, to an event and they're even only there for a day or two, that's a weekend they basically gave up with their family. So it wasn't just writing a check, but they're actually like those people are more invested in the cause. And that's where I'm hoping like 
you know, that's what kind of what we talked about with wanting to do this thing is it wasn't just to try and write a check and say, hey, look at us, we wrote a check, but it was more of like, I, I, I want to see more people actually invest just more personal time and like face-to-face interaction versus everything right now is on Instagram, Facebook, on your phone. And it's cool because you can have a lot more interaction. Like we can interact that in a way we could have never interacted in the 90s, you know, or the 80s. But, and that's great. That's a very helpful but sometimes I think that stops people from actually like taking flights and gathering and being together because like, oh yeah, I see Jay and Kayla on Instagram all the time. Well, why not actually like get together, you know, and, uh, and do something, you know, whether it's get together and just hang out or get together and actually do something good for people, you know? Yeah. Cause me and Jess are always excited to see each other. <laughs> yes, you are. You guys embrace each other quite quite vigorously <laughs> so with with the with the black rifle um i mean is that kayla is that what you've i mean what have you seen like working for black rifle but you're you're you've seen the people that lead that company and what they're like and is it you know obviously you're not going to talk bad about the people that lead your company but it does seem like they're not just the kind of people who just write checks and don't give a shit no not at all um and and uh it's, man, Black Rifle Coffee's kind of like, and I can speak for a lot of people that I work with too, it's changed our lives, um, especially being able to work under Evan and Matt and Logan and, you know, Richard and JT and stuff like that. They, they, they're always trying to do something better and it's always for the company. I've heard Evan in his office just like yelling all the time and he's like fuck him he's like i don't care what people think about us he's like the only way that we're going to fight back is by doing exactly what we're doing and that's helping veterans and 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 serving coffee and serving you know s- serving culture to people that are like minded and that are just like us and and giving them a place to uh either get employed or find a friend, right? Like his, his mission for hiring 10,000 veterans, he's well on his way. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, it was amazing to see because, you know, when COVID first started, everyone was hunkering down. Everyone was quarantining everyone, you know, this, the streets of San Antonio were bare and there's what 3 million people in that city. There's not one car on the street besides black rifle coffee cars because, Mm -hmm we were out donating with another company that we partnered with cruising kitchens and we were out donating coffee and merch and to all of the hospitals that were around there to the ERs, to the police substations. Um, and then even during, you know, go sending our boxes of donations for our buy a bag, give a bags, you know, we, we did not, we didn't stop. And we were so, able to actually hire a lot of people during quarantine and COVID. It was amazing to see. Yeah. And I actually firsthand, um, it, it was interesting because it was a small little comment and it was kind of just like in the conversation, it really wasn't a big deal and nothing came of it. But, um, but it, it, it did kind of strike me when I got off the phone because I was, I was on the phone with Jessica, uh, Roca? Rocha Rocha Rocha. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, we were talking about, I don't even know what we were talking about, something else, whatever it was. And I was talking about how bad the forest fire smoke was around here. Just talking about like, 
because she was saying something about wanting to come to Montana. I was like, well, you're not missing anything right now. It's just full of smoke. And just an offhand comment, like, yeah, oh, yeah. And she's like, really? And I'm like, yeah, you can't even hardly see the mountains right now. It's just smoke everywhere and fires. And she goes, she she immediately goes, well, hey, if there's, like, a bunch of firefighters up there or, like, camps or whatever, she's like, let me know. And she's like, if we can figure out something, we'll, like, send coffee to all those, like, to those camps or get coffee to them and and it was like, and I, and I was like, well, I, there's not really any camps like right around here close. Like, you know, the fires are 50 miles away or whatever, but, and she's like, all right, well just let us know if there's anywhere we can like send coffee for stuff like that. And it was just like an immediate, you know, and she's not a big like bot. She's not like one of the owners or whatever. She's just, yeah, it, but that girl is the heartbeat. She is, yeah. she does a lot of stuff, <laughs> but she had the, it's cool because her company also gives her the ability to just make that decision on the phone. Like, like she doesn't need to be like, well, let me call my boss and see if we can get, you know, some, you know, a few hundred dollars of coffee, you know, approved. Yep. It's just like, and, and that was her first thought was not like anything else, but, but like, can we send coffee? And I mean, I was, I was just a, I was a coffee club member and a fan of black rifle before I knew anybody there, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, a bunch of us at work were just because, it felt like the people that were running were like us. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think that's the draw to a lot of companies right now that are doing, doing well are, they seem to have actual real people that are out there leading. It's nice because during meetings, you know, I always hear around the table, I always hear what can we do better for, you know, what can we do better for the guys in Manchester because we have a plant there? Or, mm-hmm. you know, what can we do better for our employees? And literally, like, every Friday they do lunch. Every, like, month we have, like, a little party to, like, kick off our ECS, our exclusive coffee subscription. And, like, because they come out with a new one every month. And so we, like, get together and it's themed and, like, they just order all of these things and cater all of these things. Bethany's husband, a.k.a. my boss, dresses up like a hot dog. And we had hot dogs, right? It was like a, it's just like, we're always just like. Wow. (laughs) It's going to be. Are you the bun? So much fun. I'll get a knife hand, Kayla. This is me yelling at you. I knew I knew Dan's name would come up at some point during this (laughs) podcast, and I love that it was because he was in a hot dog suit and nothing else that he's done. It was yeah, yeah. he was in a hot dog suit, and he hasn't done anything. It was just like the morale. Yeah, he likes to boost morale. So yeah, but um, and it's just it's really cool. Evan kind of like tweaked his mission statement. It was what what's what is it exactly? Serving. This is a test. Great here. fucking coffee to great fucking people who love America. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Bam. And that's what we're doing yeah. all the time. America. Yeah. 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 No, that's, and that's, um, you know, it, it's, it's a great example, you know, for, for companies to follow that, you know, believe a lot of what we all believe and And we don't all exactly believe all the same thing. And I've heard Evan on his podcast, like, you know, you don't have to all agree on, on everything. And that's what you see. It's so freaking divisive on the news right now. They're trying to get you to tear, tear, tear each other apart. But like, you know, whether you agree with legalizing marijuana or you don't, or you agree with abortion and you don't, or, you know, you agree with every single thing that Trump ever tweeted or you don't like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We mostly agree on it. 
like like at like at a hammer in, for example, you get all these different people together, and I know there were people more liberal and more more conservative at those hammer ins, and for a weekend, like everybody just were together and just loved each other for who they were, and politics always stayed out of it. It was always just being together, you know. And I was ex- see, Josh. That's what you while you were while he was like saying these things about like complimenting you on like the company that you have and whatnot, and you were like, um, uh, I'm looking at you because I've seen what we did at Winter Strong with Sornex, right? And yeah. like how everyone came together, and it was on a big, you know, it was a big scale, right? But like within your means, you brought a bunch of veterans together and you did the exact same thing. And you gave these people that have never had that experience and you gave them what we got from winter strong. Mm -hmm. And it was like that life changing experience. I mean, these guys have found something that they've been able to create and he's been stuck to Cole's been stuck to his dog this entire time. He was in there freaking forging and the dog was in the dog bed and she wasn't even paying any attention because he was just like on this knife. Right. We were talking about that last night. Yeah. That was one of the things that made made me and, and I was Josh watching it. I was yeah, I was watching was it. The I was, yesterday that you he they were separated. Yep. And, and she would she was, Yeah. And him a mic. Yeah. Or Coleman or that yeah, there you go. Oh just we don't generally separate yeah she's with me but you could it was it was cool to see that she physical she she laid down took Mm -hmm. a break because she knew that i was doing something that you know that wusa yeah did you did you feel like the that forging did you feel like you could kind of get lost in it and just 100 i've been lost in it for two days yeah (laughs) about forged yourself crippled (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I'm fucking hurt. Yeah. But uh but that's no, it's, cool. It's been amazing. And you know, like she said, my dog left me alone for a minute and uh yeah. I was eight she knew that I was doing something that I was just infatuated with and Yeah. Hats off to you, man. Thank no, you very that's much. Awesome. Yeah. No, and that's what it's all about. I think I think to your one like veterans and everything who are, are out there maybe listen to this is one of the things that when COVID first kicked off, I was like, Hey, I'm going to jump on one of these transition programs and I won't name the program. Right. And, and the first part of it is trying to get into the squishy stuff and I'm not an overly empathetic person, but they always want to talk about what's your why, what's your why. And then they go into the, what I consider the meat and potatoes, developing resumes, setting up mock interviews and stuff like that. And for me, the, the why stuff was like, oh my god, I, I don't want to hear this. Like, I just, I just want to get down to business. And I think a lot of veterans probably take that, um, probably take that approach, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, they don't want to waste time doing this all this extra crap. And uh, you know, to what he was saying, because that comes up all the time. Hey, find a passion. What's your why? Find you know. And for me, I'm like, yeah, I got it, but. I, I was trying to, uh, I think I, one of the things I've tried to probably look internally a little bit more, now that I've had time to actually slow down and think about it, was what does that mean? Like, how do you even find a why after living you know, some of the lives that we have over the course of how many years that we've been doing it? And one of the, and I had somebody tell me one time not too long ago that if you lose yourself in something and lose track of time, 
for hours on end, that's probably a sign that that's a pretty good passion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I think that's kind of what some of us did here. And it, and it was that, that little relief that maybe somebody needed, you know, Coleman just spoke to it. Right. You know, probably more passionate than the rest of us with that, it, which is a good thing. Right. So you're probably kicking everybody's ass here in a couple of years. If you, if you go full speed with this, but um, I think that's when people are struggling out there to figure out, Hey, how do I find my why? If there's something that, that you find that you can lose yourself in for 30 minutes, a few mm-hmm. hours a day and just do it. That's probably something to grab a hold of and, and move forward with. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like, I just don't want anybody um, being worried. Like, Oh, I suck at this. Like, Oh, I have to, I had to restart. I had to start over like, okay. Like start over. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like y- your blades, like, there were a couple different people here that forged two and three blades or ground a couple blades and got better each time. But even if all you did at home was forge, forge blades and throw them away for the next six months, you would still enjoy doing it. Even if you just toss them in the corner, like you don't really ever throw that stuff away, but you might just toss them in the corner and be like, uh, and go do the next one. It doesn't have to turn into a career in a month. Or, like, you get online and, like, man, my knife sucks compared to that guy. Well, it probably should. Like, if my knife's not that much better in years after 30 years of making knives, like, that's a me problem. <laughs> you know, that's not your problem. Well, I don't even think it's about the career. <clears throat> no, right? it's not. It's, it's about finding something that, you know, you can lose yourself in. Right. I and, it, and, it, and I can see it transitioning for someone, maybe after a little while they get tired of beating on blades, but then all of a sudden... um you know, they're making heart hooks for their, for their wife, for their, you know, bathrooms to hang up towels or whatever, like that, um, steak flippers and all kinds of shit like that. Uh, you know, a rock table with steel legs that you forged the legs and you went and bought a rock and you stuck it in there and bent the tabs down. Now you got a rock table for the kitchen or the living room or whatever, you know, I'm just hoping that like the people that came this weekend and anyone who gets into this don't just try to judge what they're doing on the results of what the thing looks like, but more about like how it makes them feel. Well, I talked to a couple of guys, more than a few who I would say, you know, how's it going? And they're like, Oh, I'm texting my wife about getting a forge right now. (laughs) So they, I mean, they lost themselves and they're like, they're ready to bring it home. And I know that they have no intention to sell. They just, they just loved creating. Yeah. If you guys go into competition with me, we're going to have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. At least they learned from the master. So I have a good point. Like I've, I think I chatted with a few people here about this over the weekend. So like this is, this has been an amazing event and all that. And I've participated in many things like this, whether it be, you know, foraging, hunting, playing golf or whatever with a bunch of like, like-minded individuals doing something. And during that, those few days we're all together, just like we've been here, we have found some like solace and whatever that activity was. It's great. It's amazing. Now, the challenge is from here, which I've told guys and girls, when they go home, how are you going to translate that same piece you found here into your everyday life? Yeah. You know, whether that's just like driving in traffic or freaking cooking eggs or how are you going to 
work on that same inner piece you found welding or forging a knife or whatever, um, how are you going to do that every day from now on? You know, mm-hmm. so, because like you can find this solace, this piece here, but you can go home, just forget about all that. Right. You know, and that's where I'm hoping that some of you guys will stay in touch with each other. You know, that's where I'm hoping like, um, you know, maybe some, some guys will call up and discuss some, some of that stuff with each other or encourage each other. If it is getting a forge, like if you hear that, you know, Alex got a forge and Coleman got a forge or whatever, and hopefully they start talking about like, yeah, I can't get my forges to run right. You know, the things, you know, uh, you know, I'm getting too much gas in my forge and like, what's going on here? And how do, how, how did you build your anvil stand? And, you know, like hopefully that kind of stuff, like, um, and, and I know there's got to be ways, and I wish I, I, you know, I just don't have the expertise. Like like you say, even if it's making breakfast and dealing with st- stress and traffic and, and your kids and having to run them to all their sports and everything else, and how do you find that piece? And I I don't know if I have those answers, but I hope that, like, guys will lean on each other a little bit for some of that stuff. Um, I'll tell you, my, my dad has exactly what you're talking about. My dad has been telling me for 20 years. Like every time I get a birthday card or a Christmas card or, and he tells me what he prays about and we have different views on religion and all this stuff. And he tells me the only thing I ever pray about is peace for you. Right. And so I always think about, and I always think about this, uh, that when my son wasn't living with me and, you know, and I was, I became that Disneyland dad, right. He came to visit me and it was, it was, it was always vacation time. So how do you keep that happiness in him when he's gone, right? This is our vacation time. How do you keep it when he's gone? You give him something to look forward to. So I keep in contact with him and, and always talking to him and telling him what I'm doing and asking him questions about him. Now relate that to now. When I leave you and I leave Alex and, and everybody else, that, that's how you do that. You say, hey, Alex, you're a prime power guy. My dad owns an electrical engineering company. He might be he might be hiring. How would you just like to like come out and forge out a couple more blades, or watch me do it? Because you know I got to make a living, and then you know we'll talk about the business stuff. Or hey, you're retiring, Trey, right? Why not? Come on out. Let's do. You keep in contact. That you make them, you give them something to look forward to. And I don't know if that's the answer. It's an it's an answer. It may not be sexy, but it's definitely an answer. Maybe just not the right one for everybody, but I always think about that. I don't know why, but it always sticks to my mind that I always give him something to look forward to. And, and if you can do that, and it, not not something that I'm looking forward to for him, right? But that 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 he wants. Yeah. So I'm gonna play golf with this dude, and I swear to God, if he kicks my ass. It'll be hard because he's only got one leg. But if he kicks my ass, <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna tie his shoelaces together. <laughs> did, did you watch and him if, start a fire? And if he doesn't beat you, then his mom will. No, oh my goodness. <laughs> did Did you watch him start a fire? I watched him try. He he he. He was done in like five minutes. <laughs> from the beginning to end. Wait, man, it must have been the last five minutes because I was sitting there. <laughs> I knocked it no, out. No, he, he killed it. That was awesome. But I'm serious. Like, for, for you specifically, Jay, because you, you, were the, you were answering that question, you and I are going to play golf. 
I'll come to wherever you are, or I'll I'll, I'll use Southwest points because I don't fly anymore. I drive everywhere now. <laughs> I will fly you in my place. How many yes, strokes are you giving him? I'm gonna give him <laughs> uh, golf, golf strokes. Golf strokes. <laughs> oh oh never oh never mind. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> Alex, if you if you built a forge, would it be nuclear powered? Give them that, Mike. Yeah, I guess I could try that. I mean, I'm open to any suggestions. It so. seems like it would be pretty effective. <laughs> it would last like with forever. Your background, <laughs> yeah, with your background, yeah, it would last forever. You wouldn't. Well, it would last a lot longer than you would because oh, you have radiation yeah, poisoning. It'd, it'd yeah. Years and years after. Directly exposed to the radiation? Yeah. I wouldn't I, last very long. But quit yeah. worrying about the small stuff. <laughs> Radiation's no big deal. I'll figure out the details later. But yeah. Yeah. Same, same. It seems like it would be a good way to get steel really hot really quick. Either I either I get really good at it, or it's not my problem anymore, and somebody else yeah. has to deal with it. <laughs> I think they tried Just that like at Chernobyl. Said, that's a me problem. Chernobyl, and in Japan, and really, yeah, the samurais. Yeah. <laughs> that's what happened when the uh, power plant issues went down there. The sam they were making sam too many samurai swords yeah. at one time in the reactor. Yeah. Um, one of the last things I want to say was I, I think this weekend is a catalyst. For something. Where it goes, none of us know, right? Um, group therapy for a bunch of competitive people doesn't work, right? Um, maybe an archery competition may not work either because it's still competition, so you're not really talking to the other people. You throw in physical labor, and you throw in watching other people, how they do it. Oh, man, maybe that's a good idea, you know. And everybody's encouraging encouraging each other instead of judging what you're doing. They're like, oh, shit, you know what? I'm going to make a blade just like that. Let me, let me go heat up another piece of steel. You've thrown something into the mix that not a lot of other people have been able to do. Mm-hmm. And this weekend, you've it was successful, 100% successful. No one here is leaving without feeling accomplished, mm-hmm. right? That's cool. I mean, even even a partially done blade is still an accomplishment. Yeah, great story. but a really great story, right? <laughs> well, but and the, and the, and and that she made a fire with her hands. True. True. That's why she has blisters. Or no? No, that's, that's me, Bethany. <laughs> um, well, and there's a reason. I actually. I purposely kind of designed this weekend to not finish any knives because that wasn't the point. Like, it wasn't about the knives. It wasn't making knives. Um, we, we, yeah, we, we, were never, we were never going to finish knives. That, that wasn't the point. But I, I also, sometimes when I hear stuff, to, and I'm, I'm just a civilian, but when I hear people talking about veterans and, um, you know, healing veterans or taking care of veterans or whatever, a lot of times they make it sound like like veterans are all just these broken people that are incapable of, like, whatever. And to me, like, the group therapy thing, therapy is definitely a powerful tool that a lot of people should definitely use. However, um, I, I feel like I didn't see anybody here that wasn't capable. Like, everybody here that was forging on the steel, man or woman leg or no leg we're capable <laughs> you know everyone was capable of 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 doing the job and and um i didn't want to put on this deal or make anyone feel like you know felt sorry for anybody or felt like 
there was any like, like you guys are all freaking capable people. And it's more about finding that passion. It's and, and finding that next thing. It wasn't about like just, you know, trying to heal somebody because it felt sorry for somebody because they'd been through some shit. Like that wasn't what it was about, you know, and it wasn't about trying to finish a knife and judge who made the best knife. So that's why we didn't finish any knives. It was about just doing the work and getting to sweat and getting some blisters and laughing and joking and having a good time. That was it, you know. And then from there, if somebody wants to become a knife maker, well, we can work on that. Like I can help somebody with that. Um, you know, so that, that's, that's really what it was all about. And I think it definitely went over pretty good. So, um, but it's getting late. I, I, I just want to thank all of you, every single one of you for being here. Um, I don't know if anybody's got anything else or if there's anything left kind of unsaid that somebody wants to say or whatever, but I mean, mics are yours, but if there was a competition, Trey would have come in last. (laughs) (laughs) That's yeah. And Bethany would have been first. <laughs> yeah. Go guard. <laughs> I think we Wait, can wrap way it up to put there, the right? guy that kept you in business and last. <laughs> All right. That's it. Thank you very much. We good? Thanks, guys. No, thank, thank you. you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate all of you.